So we're in a we're in uh, second uh, message in our, in our new series uh, called A Way Out. And this has just been, last week was just a, uh, for me personally, it was just a phenomenal, just a phenomenal service and the presence of God was just so strong. And uh, there's been a lot of you guys that just got in contact, contact with me through the week and um, just about, you know, some things going on in your life. And I just thank you for that. And just don't, don't ever be, you know, ashamed of what God is doing in your life. It's just an amazing thing. You know, somebody said last week, one of the statements that they said, they said, you know, they said, if you would have asked me the week before, if I was saved, I probably would have told you, yeah. But if you asked me now, if I was saved last week, I probably would have told you no, because something was so happened so powerful in their life last Sunday. Um, just a conviction, uh, you know, just a just a holy conviction from God, um, and that's what we want. We want the presence of God. I can't make that happen. We can't make that happen. That's just God. And so I know that I know that, that God is is moving. And, and one of the things that I, I want to talk to you about um, today is, or last week that we went through, we went through the idea of temptation. That's what this whole series is about. It's about temptation. It's about sin. I mean, we went through uh, what we call the the uh, the, t- the temptation cycle. And temptation is just this. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction um, at the cost of disobedience to God or at the cost of obedience to God. Uh, That's what temptation is. Temptation is anything that tells you you are going to get something good out of you. You're going to find joy in or you're going to find peace in or you're going to find satisfaction in something that costs you obedience to the God that created you and the God that saved you and the God that loves you. Does that make sense? That's what we said temptation is. That's what it is. And we said temptation is not for the sinner. If you're a sinner, you don't want to do good anyway, right? So you don't have to be tempted because you're just good at sinning. You just do it. You rock it out just like we all did before we knew Christ. We were all great sinners, A+. plus. Don't have to teach us how to sin. We know how to do it. And so temptation is something that is for the believer. It's something that exists only for the believer, only for uh, the person who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. And then we talked about that, that when that temptation, that there is a cycle, that there is a pattern, that there is steps, that there is something that continually takes place um, in it. And it starts off in our desires. There's a desire in us and the, and the enemy kind of creeps in and he begins to manipulate things and twist things and our desires to lead us to do a thing that we know is wrong. And then after that, there's a form of deception that comes in where he kind of, he kind of, he, he convinces us that what we want to know is wrong. What we do, what we want to do that we know is wrong, that it's a good thing, that it's not a bad thing, that it'll bring satisfaction, that he deceives us. And then once we are deceived and we, we truly believe that that bad thing that we want to do is a good thing, and then we do the good thing or we do the bad thing that we think is good, then that is a form of disobedience, that sin that's missing the mark. Um, and then when that sin uh, grows up, the Bible says in James, when that sin is full grown, uh, it brings absolute death. Uh, to different areas and sometimes every single area of our life and that that is the process of sin in our life. That's the process of temptation in our life. But the good news is, is that this entire series is about how to find a way out of this temptation, a way out of the sin, no matter where you find yourself in the process, no matter where you find yourself um, um, in, in whether you're in the desire or the deception or the disobedience or the, or the death part of it, where we are. And this is kind of the foundational Scripture, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you didn't last week, I highly encourage you to highlight this and, and mark this down. This is the foundational scripture. We'll go over this every single week through the course of this series. And this is what it says. It says, no temptation has overtaken you. None whatsoever has ever overtaken you except what is common to mankind. That means that there's not some kind of supernatural alien space temptation sin creeping into your life. The devil himself isn't making you sin. That The sin that you have committed in this life, the temptation that you've succumbed to, is the same sin uh, and the same temptation that everybody has. It's nothing supernatural. It's just the normal sin desires of our flesh. And it says that God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
So this is the promise of God. The promise of God is this, is that no matter where you are as a believer, even though we don't, we don't like to say this a lot of times, every time you sin, the reality of it is, is that you did not have to sin. The reality of it is, is that there was a way out. God provided you a way out prior to that moment of disobedience, prior to that sin growing up and becoming full grown and devouring different parts of your life, that God provided you a way out. Now, you may not have known it, and you may not have seen it, and it may not have been clear to you, and it may not have been obvious to you, but I can promise you, because God says it in his word, that there is no sin in your life that you can't handle as a believer. Does that make sense? And that's what this whole series is about. This entire series is about us finding out the way out, finding our way out of every single temptation that comes our way before it becomes a roaring lion and devour different aspects of our life. And so we said desire, deception, disobedience, and death. And today I want to stop in and load in on that desire, that where it begins at in our heart and our mind, that desire. Now I'm going to tell you something. I just want to apologize up front to any of the new people that are here. All right, I do that from time to time because uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you about some things this morning. I, I'm going to share some things. Uh, I'm not going to be too over the top, but I'm going to share some things that I can guarantee you, you probably don't want to hear your pastor say. All right, I must say some things, and, and some, of the, some of the older people, they're like, oh, God, what's he going to say? I've been here before. I remember, I remember Don last time he said that, and he remember? It was bad. Remember last time he said that he talked about porn, porn, Don. <laughs> All right, I'm going to share some things with you. I'm going to be open with you and be honest with you about this idea of desire because there's something that, that, that I, I struggled with early on, something that I still struggle with today. And to my knowledge, there's nobody named Don. That was not a real person. Don't feel bad for Don and his fake wife, okay? <laughs> This is something I realized. This is something I realized. And we, we talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to go, I want to go full, full into this idea of desire. Just something that I realized that I struggle with in, in, in my life as, as a Christian, as a believer. Uh, first off, before I knew Jesus, uh, I, I had a, a massive amount of desire to do wrong. Right? I, I, mean, I mean, just like, and I, I don't mean like I want to just go out and have fun. I mean, I had genuine desires to do things that are wrong. All right. And, and, and you may not, and just, just to show you this, and you may not have seen this go around, and maybe it's been just me, but last night, just last night alone, there was this, this you know how sometimes they'll sit around on Facebook, they'll sit around these little tests, and you can click on them and answer some questions, or they'll take your little profile and the good pictures, and then they'll give you something, you know, whatever it is. Well, there was one called Good and Bad. All right. Last night, I said, I saw it pop up on one of my buddies I work out with. It popped up on his Facebook, and I was like, hey, you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that test just, just for fun since I'm going to talk about good and evil tomorrow. Hey, I'll just see what happens. His was 50-50, and I was like, what an evil punk. I was just like, his was 50-50. I hope he's here this morning. His was 50-50, and I was just like, man, I was like, he, that dude's got some issues going on. This is no lie. No lie. I'll, I'll, I'll share it to my Facebook after, uh, after church today, just so you guys can see it. I took it. Did anybody want to take a guess what mine was, good and bad? You just want to take a guess? Just take a gander. <laughs> Sound like a bunch of turkeys. Okay. This is no lie. 98% bad. 2% good. 98, I took it three times. 98% bad. 2% good every time. I thought, oh, this is just a gimmick. It's flawed. It's not going to change it. Then, 
Then in Facebook, they wouldn't put on Facebook if it wasn't true. So it's like that French model. So and I, sent it to, I sent it to a couple of my sisters, and I sent it to them, and I was just like, can you believe this? And they believed it. So uh, it's just... Just one of those things. That's just, that's just that's who we are, right? I just, you, we kind of have to get to a place in our life where we accept that on some level, before, especially before Christ, that, that we desire to do bad things. Now, we don't really talk about it a lot. We're not like, hey, it would be fun to rob a bank. But, you know, but it's just like, but I'm just being honest with you. Before Christ, I mean, I, I'm telling you something. Maybe it was influx of movies. Uh, maybe it was just, you know, I love bank robber movies. But I was just like, dude, it would just be awesome to rob a bank. And I, I don't mean like, and listen, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm telling you something. Y'all are just like, to the point that I would go, and I walk in the banks, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I'm like going straight Ocean's Eleven on every bank I walked into. And I'm just like, all right, I can walk up there and I can do the Chinese guard trap to the back of his neck. He'll be down. All right, and then I'll just shimmy through uh, the ventilation system, hop down into the safe, explode the C4 bomb that I clearly planted under it. Money will fall, hop onto the subway that sure exists in Charlotte, drive over there, hop on a dirt bike, find a helicopter, ride a dragon out of there, and that'll be it. I mean, that's just like, I mean, that was just, that's just a part, that was just a part of, that was just part of me. That was just something that, that was there. Now we're talking about a grade A, your butt's in jail for 30 years, felony. And that was something, I, and I'm just being honest, it's, maybe it's funny. I genuinely was like, dude, I kind of want to rob a bank. That was just something that part of me. And I could get into some more, some more evil ones, but that was just kind of, and then I began to follow Christ. And I had a genuine moment with God that changed my life forever. And I, and I began to follow Christ and I desired to follow Christ and I put my faith in God. And, and here's the thing, I still wanted to rob a bank. I still thought that was cool. Maybe it's because I watched Ocean's Eleven 97,000 times. But it's just, I just, I still, there was still this desire to do this. And this is the one of the things that I, I started to realize in my life, is that I had genuine desires in my life to do wrong, to do sin, to do it the wrong way, to do it outside of God's will. I had a genuine desire. Now, we, we don't really like to talk about that, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure that, if, and I'm not saying do this. Please, Lord, especially you husbands, don't do this. But if you, if you ever just went down and you just sat down with your wife, and it was just like, here are the things. I didn't do these things, but here are the things that I thought about doing and wanted to do over the last 10 years. I just made a short list of 711, and I just wanted to go through these with you. Your butt would be divorced before you got to 100, okay? So, but here Here's my point is that you know that there are things that we want to do. If I were to stand up here just as, just as a pastor and say, listen, here are the things since I've been your pastor, not things that I've done, but things that I've thought about doing and things that I wanted to do, I would be willing to bet some people would leave. That's on a dead serious note. Right? Now, I know you're perfect. I know that. But I'm not. Right? And I'm serious. Not, not things that I did. Not even things that I was tempted to do, but things that popped up in my head that was like, hey, man, I might want to do that sometime. Or, hey, man, that seems like a good idea. Or, hey, man, that might be an easier way out. Or, hey, hey, what about this? Or, what about that? And, and it shows up, and you think about it. Right? There, there's, that, there's that desire. And, and I know this. Is, and and I, here's the other thing. I also want to serve Christ. Like, I have a genuine desire in my heart to serve Christ. A genuine desire in my heart to be faithful to God, to be humble before God, to walk in righteousness before God. A genuine, absolute, solid, real desire to follow God truthfully with all of my heart and do right and be right and, and, be, and live wisely and holy and humbly before God. I genuinely do. And, and I, never had to, I never saw this more at work fully, this, this work of this, this, these competing desires. I never saw this more at work. I was 19 years old, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. This was long before Courtney, just to be very clear. Long before Courtney. Many years before the love of my life showed up into my life. 
many years. When I was 19 years old. I will never, never forget this. There was this young lady that, that was, showed up in my life. And, and I was saved. I was a Christian. I was preaching at the time. Uh, and, and, and there was this young lady that showed up in my life. And there was, there was a lot of people uh, around that thought, hey, you know what, man, they, 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 they might be good together. They might be you know, in ministry and they blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and I remember that I was so, not nearly as much as Courtney, but I was so attracted to this young lady. I remember it just ex- so extremely attracted to her and not on a biblical level. I mean, like on a very physical, the way her body looked, wanted to make out with her and other things level. Just deep desire. Got quiet. Told you. Why do you look at that? Because <laughs> he's in my blind spot. I don't know. So, I'm sitting here, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm, 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 I remember going through with this, and I remember her coming in, and it just began, and all of a sudden, these thoughts just began to come into my heart and my mind, and I realized that she was thinking the same thing, too. I remember being 19 years old, and we went out on a date, and I remember taking this girl home, and I remember us sitting there, and I remember us pulling up, and I remember the thoughts and the desires were so uh, uh, deep and just so, and I know that she had made a few comments, and so I knew that she was kind of thinking the same thing, and I remember we showed up, uh, and I was dropping her off at her house, and I remember, I'll never, I'll never forget this, she turned and she smiles at me and she goes, my parents aren't home. Do you want to come in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, really, really do. I really, 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 really do. And I'll never forget that night because that was the first night that I was truly, as a Christian, that I was truly 100% tempted. And I had every desire in my heart to go in that house and sin with that girl. And I had every desire in my heart to walk away and honor God. And I remember sitting there that night, and I remember very reluctantly, I wish I could tell you the Spirit of God rised up in me, and and I just was like, get out of me. I I said, listen, here's the deal. I said, we go in that house. I'll never forget this. I said, if we go in that house, I said, we're going to do things that we regret, and there's no doubt about it. Not in my mind and not in your mind. I said, so I can't go in that house. I asked her to get out, and she walked away, and I walked away. Now, I'd love to tell you that me and God had had a celebration on the way out of there. All right. That's not what happened. The whole way home, I was like, all I got to do is text her. All I got to do is I can turn back around. I can be there in two minutes. I can just be back in two minutes, be back in five minutes the next day. I'm sure we can still go. Her parents might be on vacation. I'm sure we can still. I wish, I'm telling you something. That design, here's, here's what I learned from this. And here, here's the thing that I, I want you to understand is that, that that is a problem that we deal with as, as human beings, as men and women that live in this world. Now, I know, I'm telling you, I know that some of you, religious, Pharisee, hypocrite people. I know that you don't struggle with it, and I know you've worked very, very, very hard to pretend that you don't have any struggles and you don't have any issues, and you've painted this huge picture, and I'm telling you that that pride that rises up in you, that's going to be the thing that eats you alive more than anything else, but that's a different message for a different day. But you have, you have worked very, very hard because of the way that we've done church and the way that, in my opinion, the way that the modern American church has handled sins and failures with complete and utter condemnation and no mercy of God, and the way they have just utterly despised people who go through divorces and despise people who sin and throw them out there and just, and just destroy their life and ruin them. The American church has made it very, very difficult for you to be a normal human being. And I understand that. I get that. We have condemned people. We have thrown people out of the church. We have acted more devilishly in the way that we've treated them after they sin than they did it in the process of their sin. 
Right? I get that. So here's the thing is, the way that we've done that, we've created this barrier and these walls inside of the church that I can't stand on a stage and be honest with you that when I was 19 years old and I was traveling around preaching that I still wanted to have sex with a girl that wasn't my wife. But I did. Right? The same way that you struggle with stuff, the same way that your kids struggle with stuff, the same way that your husband struggles with stuff, the same way that your wife struggles with stuff, there are sinful desires that rise up inside of you, and the American church has made it very difficult for you to battle them because you have to keep them extremely secret lest you not be judged. Right? And here's the thing. You can fight something if you face it head on. You cannot fight and become victorious over, victorious over something that you can't even admit is there. Right? So am I condemning you? Am I condemning the American church for the way that we've handled sin? 155%? Yes, it is from the devil. It's from the devil, the way we lack forgiveness, the way we lack mercy, and the way we lack grace. And we've created a culture to where it is perfection, deception, or get out. Be perfect, lie about you being perfect, or find your way out the door. And that is why sin controls us. You, and I'm telling you something, I know something about you the same way I know it about me. There are times in your life when you genuinely, you have a desire to sin. You have a desire to be cause division. You have a desire to lie. You have a desire to have an affair. You have a desire to look at porn. You have a desire to be manipulative. You have a desire to be sin. You have a desire to be sinful. You have a desire to burst out in anger. You have a desire to hit things and fight things. You have a desire to yell and to scream. You have a desire to cheat, to lie, and to steal. You have those desires because you're a human being. But you also have the desire to follow after God. You also have the desire to be truthful. You also have the desire to be holy and to be righteous. You have those desires, and this is how I know, because we're not the first generation to deal with this. Did you think that? Did you think that you're the first generation to deal with this, that, that I'm the first pastor to deal with this, that I'm the only sinfully led nature pastor on the planet? This was going on from day one. Paul wrote about it when he writes multiple times the Corinthians and the Romans and the Galatians. At one point in, in Romans 7, he says, listen, dude, I want to do the right thing, all right, but I also want to do the wrong thing, and sometimes I feel like I'm a schizophrenic, and I just go back and forth. I want to do the right thing, but I don't do it, and I don't want to do the sinful thing, but I do it. As I'm doing it, I don't want to do it, but I do it anyway. So this is something else, and this is what he writes to the Galatians, and I, and I love this. I love this in Paul. He writes this to the Galatians. I'm going to read this out of two translations, but he writes this in the Galatians. It's Galatians 5, 17. This is what he writes. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And this is what it says in New Living Translation. It's the same verse, New Living Translation. I just love the way they said it. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So let, let's, go, let's go back. He says, there, there, there is the flesh that is in you, and you know it exists because you still want to sin. 
right? Who's prideful enough to raise their hand and say they have zero desire to sin ever? Okay, so there's no absolutely out of their mind insanity going, okay, so we're just, at least we're a little bit human in here today. Okay, so that sinful nature still it rises up in you. It's still there. It still exists. But here's the thing that I want you to understand because I think that we have a misconception of what being saved means. I really do. I think we have a misconception of what being saved means. There was no conflict in your life before knowing Christ. The only thing that existed was your sinful nature. So you weren't a good person that did bad things. You were a bad person that sometimes did good things, right? That stings. I know. But you weren't a good person who sometimes did bad things. You were a bad person who sometimes did good things. There was, no, there was no conflict. There was no tension. There was just you, your sinful self, and the sinful desire and the deeds that you wanted to commit. And you just went out and did them most of the time because there was nothing fighting for you to do something different. Right? The only thing, and I, and I want you to think about this. The only thing that stopped you from doing anything wrong to begin with was you might get in trouble at school or you might get in trouble at work or you might get in trouble with your wife, but it wasn't like you didn't want to do them and it wasn't like you felt bad about them. You saw some consequences and you're like, eh. But you still wanted to do it. There was really nothing point. When you give your life to Christ and you put your faith in God, and you begin to become a follower of Jesus Christ, it says that the Spirit of Christ begins to dwell inside of our heart and dwell inside of our soul, and now there's conflict because the Spirit of God is now in you giving you desires to do the thing the right way and to do it God's way. So now there's conflict, right? So there was a bad you that it's difficult for some people to accept that, but there was a bad you, and now Christ saved you and doesn't hold that against you, and his spirit fills you, and now he's filling you and changing you and molding you and transforming you into the image of Christ, and he's giving you desires to do things his way and to be righteous, but the sinful nature is still there desiring you to do something different. So now there's conflict and there's tension, not because you were a good person who used to do bad things, because you were a bad person, and now you're saved by Christ under the blood of God, and now he's inside of you, the spirit's inside of you, now you have a desire to actually do something good for the first time in your life, to genuinely do something good in your life, to genuinely follow after Christ, to genuinely do things the right way. So you have two desires in your life. And this is, this is how he finishes up. He says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Think about that. So you've got, you've got the Spirit of God that dwells inside of you that's leading you to do good things, leading you to do righteous things, leading you to be faithful to your wife, leading you to be faithful to your husband, leading you, right? and then you've got that sinful nature that's leading you to be unfaithful, that's leading you to lie instead of tell the truth, that's leading you to cause division instead of hold up unity, that's leading you to do these things over here, and now there's tension there that exists. It's in this tension that the enemy creeps in. And begins to manipulate the desires. This is where he creeps in and he begins to create what I call mirages. Right? He takes something and he makes it not real. He takes something and he molds it and he twists it and he kind of presents it to you. And in your mind, it looks real and it's not real. And the greatest example of this is the very first act of temptation, the very first act of sin with Eve. All right, Eve's doing her thing in the garden. Right? If you've never been to church before and you don't know the whole story, here's that God created the world. All right, start with Adam and Eve. 
Adam and Eve hanging out in the garden. They have, they have dominion and possession of every single thing on the planet. They have access to every single thing on the planet except for this one tree uh, that, that, that God said, listen, if you eat from this tree, it's the tree of good If you eat from this tree, it's gonna, you're going to surely die. It's going to cause death in your life. It's not going to be a good thing. It is a curse, not a blessing. Eve understands this. Enemy shows up, has a conversation with Eve and says, is it true that God said you couldn't have anything, any, eat from any fruit in the garden? And Eve said, no, it's not true. We can have fruit from any tree in the garden except God did say that we couldn't have fruit from that tree because if we eat from that tree that we will surely die. And he said, this and this is what he said. First thing out of his mouth was, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. In fact, God knows that if you eat from this tree, that your eyes will be open. If you eat from this tree, that you will have the knowledge of good. And if you eat from this tree, you will be filled with wisdom and you will be able to see and think and be like God. And God doesn't want you to do that. So that's why he told you you can't eat from the tree. See what he did? He took what she very clearly understood to be a curse and a bad thing. And he said, you know what? Because there was a desire in her for more, a desire in her for something different, a desire in her for wisdom, a desire. And he placated that. And he said, listen, if you eat from that tree, it's not going to kill you. It's going to make you wise. It's going to make you like God. And so she looked at this tree in a different light. Now she looks at this tree and she sees it as a good thing. That's the beginning of the deception part. Every temptation in your life is a choice between the devil's mirages and God's promises. Every single one. Every single tempt- every time you sin, you choose the devil's mirages over God's promises. He takes these desires. Right? And when, when he gets to this stage, you have that desire. Your way out, before you get fully engulfed in the deception, before you get fully engulfed in the lie, before you get fully engulfed, is to recognize, to recognize the sin, to recognize the foundation, to recognize the things of the flesh that are rising up inside of you, right? And, I, and he goes on, he says this, and I, and I love this about this, the, the spirit. He says, when you follow, this is Galatians 5, 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. At the foundation of every single one of these things, right, is a desire in you to do them. Right? At the, every, at, at the foundation of, of every single sin you've ever committed, there was a desire in you that rose up, and maybe it was over a period of a few seconds, maybe it was over a period of a few months, maybe it was over a period of a few years, but it rose up inside of you from your sinful nature, and you wanted to do these things. You wanted to, and eventually that became this. And he goes on to say, he says, and then the other side of the desire, the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this is, this is the conclusion that we come to after, after, after reading through this and, we, and, and you and me having a conversation and me being honest with you and then you really thinking about your life, even though you probably won't ever admit it to your wife or your husband or your kids or your pastor or your church or your life group, you won't ever really admit that, that you know that there's a deep part of you you desire to do wrong a decent amount of the time, but that you also desire to do right. That there's this desire, there's this fighting, there's this confrontation, and that, that, that the result of it is is the sins that we're going to get into more next week, the sins of the flesh and the sins of the spirit, and we kind of, we kind of get to this place. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up. And this is the thing that I want you to understand. What are we to do about this reality in our life? 
Like, what are we to do when we know in our heart, I desire to sin on a regular basis? And because of that, a lot of times, if we're just honest, you guys do. Right? I try not to just stand up here and just scream, you guys are sinners. I try not to do that. But the reality of it is, is you do. You sin all the time because you desire to sin. As Christians, you lie, you cheat, you steal, you cause division, you manipulate, take things that aren't yours, you're dishonest, you're deceptive. A lot of sexual immorality, a lot of addiction to pornography run rampant in our generation. Right? You desire and you sin. That's the end result that I'm getting to. As, as Christians, you sin on a regular basis all the time. Pride rises up in you all the time. You have outbursts of anger and rage. You let that tongue just start going and you spit fire and you devour people. You gossip. Right? Because you're following, you're following the desires of that sinful nature that exists inside of you. And it's very difficult for you to fight that because it's, it's been very hard for the church to allow you to say, hey, listen, I do desire to sin all the time. As a Christian, I desire to sin a lot. Right? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not getting that. I don't even want a head nod. But I want you, you don't have to be honest with me, but I want you to be honest with yourself and I want you to be honest with God. Right? We do this all the time. And we lead to all kinds of sins all the time. But I want you to understand this truth. And this is how you get to the way out. I want you to understand this truth. In the desire part, in the desire part, you also desire to do what is right. You also desire righteousness. So that is evidence that the Spirit of God is in your life working on you. That's evidence that the Spirit of God is in your life working on you. And so now you have a choice to make. Now that you know and you can be honest with yourself and you can be honest with God that there are in fact two desires at work in your life. You have, you have a choice to make. And this, I want you to write this down because this is an absolute factual truth. What you feed will grow and what you starve will die. What you feed will grow and what you starve will die will die. What you feed, that desire that you feed, if it's your flesh and your sinful nature, if you feed that, if you're constantly feeding that, if the music that's going into your brain is constantly feeding that, if the movies that you watch are going into your brain are constantly feeding that, if the conversations that you're having from your friends or your confidants that are constantly feeding that sinful nature, if the things that you're reading and the things that you're consuming are coming in and they're constantly feeding that sinful nature and your thoughts and you're just allowing yourself to go places and that's constantly feeding it and that anger creeps in and it just takes you to places in your head and that's con if you're constantly allowing the things in the outside world to feed that part of you, that sinful nature will grow to a freaking beast and it will devour your entire life. And it's a very real, very serious deal. But if you feed the Spirit, right, if you allow God's Word to just feed that part of you and you consume God's Word, and you make sure that the people that you're listening to, that they're allowing the Word of God to consume them, and that, that, that you're worshiping and that you're praying and that you're feeding that part of you, that spiritual part of you, the spiritual desires, that will grow and that will consume you in an amazing way. 
But this is the thing that I want you to be honest with yourself. And this is really my one and only goal today. This is why I want you to be honest with yourself. Be able to answer this question. Not what do you want to do, but what is already a reality in your life? What desire is fed the most in your life right now? If you had to go back through, now listen, listen to this, dude. There's probably not, unless Jesus comes down in human form and tells me not to, I'm probably always going to listen to the bands I grew up with. Matchbox 20 and some of those, I love those bands. So I'm not getting up here saying, go home and burn all your, all your CDs and never listen to secular music ever again and, and, and ride down the road, you know, and, and, and just scream evil at people. No, that's not what I'm saying to do at all. But I'm just being honest with yourself. For the majority of your week, just this past week, the majority of your time spent, the majority of what went into your spirit, what went into your heart, what went into your mind through various ways, from people and, and books and music and, and, and what, what were you reflecting on? What, what poured into you? What, what spirit, what desire was being fed the most? This is one thing I know about my life and I'm just going to be frank with you. I go through seasons where I am and dude, I am so tempted and that, that sinful nature rises up in me so much. And, I, and it is directly, and I promise you, you, you can challenge me. You can say whatever you want to say. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's directly correlated. Directly correlated to my devotional time, my prayer time, and my time with God. 100,000%. See, people tell me all the time, they're like, I have all these issues. I don't want to do all these things. I'm like, do you spend any time with God? No. Do you consume the word of God on a daily or regular basis? No. Do you have a prayer life? No. Well, what does consume your thoughts? What does, what point, the people that you listen to, are they, are they good, strong men and women of God? Do they, do they have a prayer life? No. Okay, so you're absolutely in every, by your own admission, you're starving the spiritual desire in your life to do what is right. Eventually it will die. And you're feeding the beast in your life. Eventually it will grow and eat you. It will devour you. It will do exactly what Jesus said. It will still kill and destroy everything in your life. And so here, here's what I want you, here, here's the way out. The way out and the desire part and this initial part is for you to constantly, daily feed that spiritual desire that comes from Christ in your life. And I'm going to tell you something, and, and, and it's going to be practical and it's going to be simple, and you've all heard it before, but I'm just telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, if you do not have a time set apart for God and God alone in your life every single day that involves prayer and that involves the holy and powerful living word of God, you will struggle greatly to ever eliminate sin from your life, period. You will struggle greatly. You will, what your life will look like. You will not eliminate or kill the sin in your life. You will become a manager of sin. You will just manage the sin in your life. There'll be times when you got a good hold on it and there's just a little bit of it. And then there'll be times when there's a ton of it. But it will always be there. I'm not talking about the desire. I'm talking about actual physical disobedience towards God. It will just exist in your life. You will not be able to overtake it. It will overtake you if you do not have a time in your life where you are feeding the spiritual part of your life, period. Let me tell you what, let me tell you, and I'm telling you something. I'm a professional Christian for the most part, all right? I get paid to study the Bible. But I'm gonna tell you something. 
Even studying to preach is different than studying on a personal level to feed my heart and my soul. Does that make sense? Every single morning of my life, before 10 o'clock, because I have different meetings and different things, before 10 o'clock, every single morning, it is my desire to do three things. The first thing I do is I get up in the morning, I get in the shower, and I have five minutes or three minutes, and I commit that day to God every single day of my life. I commit that day to God. And I ask for the strength. I ask for discipline. I ask for wisdom. I ask for discernment. I ask for the spirit to rise up inside of me every single day. And then at some point before 10 o'clock, I sit down with the word of God and I study it intently. And then I have a prayer session with God every single day. That is my, that is my desire. And for the most part, I do that. And I'm going to tell you something. It is that time period in my life that gives me the ability, that feeds that part of me, that gives me the ability to knock everything else out of my life. Right? And, and, and I know and people say, well, I don't have the time. You're a pastor and you get to get up and go play golf and you shut up. You have the time to do every single thing you want to do in this life. You will make time to do the things that you want to do. The problem is, is that you don't have that desire. You don't have that desire. And I'm begging you, I'm challenging you to do it. Because if you don't, if you don't make that a part of you, that desire that we've, we've kind of come to an agreement together exists in your life. It's there. It exists in your life. If you feed it, it will grow. It will cause you to sin. It will devour your life. People say all the time, I have a relationship with God. Well, tell me about your relationship with God. Well, I gave my heart to God. I said a prayer. I did the deal, and now I go to church. Okay, that's not a relationship with God. You went on a date with God. You promised him that you would be with him for the rest of your life, and then you haven't talked to him in six years. Right? You have to have a daily relationship with God's word and a daily relationship with the spirit of God through prayer. That is the only way to feed that part of you. I challenge you to do this. I challenge you to make time in the morning. I challenge you to make time at lunch. I challenge you to make time at night. I challenge you to find time in the 24-hour cycle of one day and give him a few minutes of your day and feed that part of your life. Because if you don't, the other part will grow and it will overtake you. This is what, I'm going to finish with this. This is what James says right here. This is a promise, I believe, from God to us. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We'll talk more about that next week. But then he says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I challenge you to take God upon his offer this week. Take God upon his promise this week and draw near to God. Draw near to him. And he will draw near to you. And this is the promise that I make you from that 19-year-old, that right? At this point in my life, I am just as susceptible to those desires as I was then. The difference now is as soon as those desires pop up in my head because I've seen the damages of what happens if I don't, I come running to God. As fast as I can, I come running to God. And he always, always comes running to me. And I beg you, the moment that those desires show up in your life, the moment that sinful nature rises up in you, don't hesitate. 
run as fast as you can to the feet of Jesus Christ. I promise you, he will run out and meet you. If you guys will stand with me. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit rest in this house, God. I pray, Lord God, right now that you would just move in our hearts and move in our lives, God. I pray, Father, that we will accept this morning that we will just be honest with ourselves and with you. We know that that sinful desire in our life, that it it exists, that it is real, it is there. We want to sin, Father. That nature exists in us. But now, because we've given our faith to you, God, your spirit exists in us as well. And we desire to do the right thing and to be righteous before you. I pray, Lord, that we will learn to feed that good desire in our heart, God, and starve out the bad. I pray, Father, that we become aware of the things that we're pouring into our life, aware of the things that we're allowing to influence us, aware of the things, God. I pray, Father, that that as these people this week, Father, as they begin to make time for you, God, as they begin to, to call out to you, God, as they begin to come near to you and to run to you, Father, I pray, Lord, that you will run out to them. I pray, Lord, as they come near to your presence, God, make yourself just so available. And I pray, Lord, God, let us remember that there is a way out of every temptation, there's a way out of every desire that we don't have to go through with it. Pray, Father, that you will give us the strength, continue to teach us through this series how to live righteously before you, God, how to fight temptation up front. I pray, Lord, that you will bless this house, bless these people. I pray, Father, that they will remember always always that you love them no matter what they've done what they desire to do that there is grace for all in your holy and your precious name